Support for Georgia College Connections comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we continue our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Today, we're addressing the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses. I'm joined in the studio by Melissa Garrier and Jennifer Graham, both of Project Brave at Georgia College. Jennifer, Melissa, welcome back to the WRGC studio. Thank you. Well... It looks today we're really talking about an evolution of the way that we address sexual assault on college campuses, perhaps even off the college campus. We're looking at the ways that local governments, there be our you know, governing bodies here at institutions, all the way up to the federal government are re-examining our reaction in hopes of stemming a just unsettling epidemic of sexual assault that perhaps is as old as time. And so I wanted to start off by kind of giving some kind of context to our listeners. When we say it's an epidemic and we're evolving the way that we address it, can we talk about uh, sexual assault on college campus, how prevalent it might be, and um, why this is something that we don't just worry about here at Georgia College, but is a national conversation and maybe even needs to be bigger than that? Sure. So nationally, statistics put sexual assault on college campuses happening at a rate between one in four and one in five women will be the victim of a completed or attempted sexual assault by the time that she graduates. And that number is about one in 16 for our male students. So we have this very, very large number of incidents that is happening on college campuses. So I think that alone kind of speaks to the reasons for, you know, making sure that we're doing something from the prevention angle to talk about it. And how does that reflect what goes on off the college campus? Is it more prevalent on a college campus, or is this something that mirrors the society in which these college campuses exist? I think it definitely mirrors what we're seeing off college campuses as well. The rates are similar. The rates off of college campuses for the same age group is is just slightly higher, actually, than it is on college campuses. But what we see consistently is an increased rate of risk for individuals who are between the ages of kind of 16 and 24, which is right there at our college age, which is one of the reasons that we see such high rates on college campuses. But again, we also see high rates, again, within the similar age group off college campuses. And so with that rate of people being affected by this, why is it just seemingly that in the last maybe... I don't even know what the time context would be. <laughs> is this not a bigger problem? Because when we think about other illnesses that might affect one in four, I guess this would be one in eight people, 
That would be considered something that would be an emergency. But yeah, this seems to be a simmering pot of just a, a, a real societal issue. I think it stems back a lot to the fact that, you know, we just don't talk about it. You know, sexual assault, rape, all of those things are, are topics that just don't get talked about in the general conversation. But over the past few years, starting kind of, I mean, there have been folks that have been doing this work on campuses for a long time, absolutely. But I think with the advent of kind of social media and people being able to kind of connect with one another and see that it wasn't just isolated incident, that it was something that was happening across college campuses, like everywhere, the ability for folks to be able to kind of connect and see the way that this is more of a widespread issue. Additionally, there's some kind of federal guidance that came out in 2011 from the Dear Colleague letter that kind of outlined the way that colleges and universities should handle sexual assault from a Title IX perspective. You know, to add to that, looking back at kind of the history, you spoke, you know, wanting, like, how has this been going on for forever? And, and yes, sexual assault absolutely has been going on forever. But if we look at kind of the response and when did we really begin to see an activist movement around the prevention of sexual assault? I think we can look to kind of the same time of the civil rights era. Mm -hmm. You know, in the 1970s in England, an activist event called Take Back the Night was started. And then that quickly spread to the United States within a couple of years. And so since then, we've seen this kind of uprising, specifically on college campuses, of raising awareness and doing education and kind to connect those dots of this isn't just a singular event. These are incidences that are happening to lots of people across space, across time, and is worth taking a look at. And I think in terms of looking at it as an epidemic, because it absolutely is, I think it's really beneficial when we, we were talking before about taking a public health perspective to it. And you're right, you know, when, when we look at other things that relate to individuals' health, if we have rates of 1 in 4, 1 in 16, 1 in 8, those get attention, those get talked about. And I think that's what we're starting to see is these things being, the sexual assault being talked about as that kind of public health perspective taking of it has has grown also um, kind of yes we need policy but we also need to be looking at this as how do we prevent this um, if we look at it as an epidemic if we treat it as a as an illness you know the incidence of sexual assault as an illness not the victimology of it but the the perpetration of it then we begin to be able to look at ways in which we could potentially prevent it or have some kind of primary secondary or tertiary treatment for it now, Melissa, you mentioned a, a, a change in 2011 about the ways that, I guess, this was viewed on college campuses. Uh, you mentioned the Obama administration's uh, Dear Colleague letter. I was wondering if you could just introduce that for people and maybe give some context about what those changes were. So basically, the Dear Colleague letter said that because of the rates of incidents of sexual assault that primarily happen against our female students, right, or our women-identified students, that therefore, because it was a, something that was largely kind of impacting that one population, it was therefore kind of a Title IX issue, which Title IX being the against sex discrimination on college campuses, right? And so kind of largely known with sports and making sure that there's kind of equal representation as far as sports teams go. That's kind of what Title IX is known for. So then sexual assault then being kind of the, the worst possible discrimination against our women students. So. And it also, uh, from what I understand, 
it actually kind of said that institutions were responsible for protecting all people from sexual assault, sexual discrimination in any way, shape, or form. And if I understand it correctly, it raised it to, to a civil rights issue, which I guess gave more latitude to fight against it in different ways. But it also, again, just raised the bar for those institutions about how they handle it. Yes, and I think it's shifted the duty somewhat of colleges and universities. Sexual assaults had been occurring on college and university campuses probably since the first college or university was created in the 1600s. Like, it's probably always been a thing. I think what it did do was shifted some of the thinking around what, what is our duty to students in sexual assault and, and, and how we provide services for students and how we adjudicate sexual assaults for students. And I think so that's where a shift has kind of taken place. We're out of time in this segment, so we're going to take a short break. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. This is one in our series of collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversation to our radio audience. Of course, the Times Talk takes place each week at noon on Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library, so consider this your invitation to join this conversation. Today, we're talking about the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses in ways that not only our colleges, but also our government and we as a people need to work to address this epidemic. I'm joined in the studio by Melissa Garrier and Jennifer Graham, both of Project Brave at Georgia College. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. If you're just joining us, we're having another Times Talk conversation. Of course, please consider this your invitation to come out at noon each Wednesday in the Georgia College Library to join these free and open to the public events. Today, we're talking about the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses in ways that we, the people, our college administrators, and our government are rising to the occasion to address this far too common occurrence within our higher education system. Joining me in the studio are Melissa Garrier and Jennifer Graham, both of Project Brave here at Georgia College. Now, in the last segment, we kind of talked about what the context for sexual assault in and on college campuses is and ways that there's been increased awareness and that awareness has led to increased regulation and policy making around sexual assault. Now, I was wondering if in this section we might talk about some changing current in this conversation that brought on by, A, an increase in these regulations and policy making 
that look at and address sexual assault on colleges campuses but also i feel really in just a um, a reaction to an increased awareness about sexual assault what is the current state of the conversation on sexual assault in college campuses i think there's kind of two sides to that i think one side is very much in the in the let's continue to raise awareness let's continue to work prevention education is very much seeing much of the policy and regulation as being this is this is the bare minimum of setting the bare minimum of what should be done that that you know that it should not just be we just need to check these boxes on this on this policy and like there we're done we've done what the federal government what the state what the institution whomever has said we have to do and is really looking to move beyond that. And what, what should we be doing? How should we be treating our students? What services should we be providing? What's the right thing to do in these situations? There's kind of another side. We've seen as policy has increased around offering protections, particularly for victims of sexual assault, we have seen an increase in litigation from accused students, students who have been accused of sexual assault and, and increased litigation coming from, from that side. And we've seen an increase in litigation both at the state level and the federal level towards Title IX, towards rolling back some of the the policies and protections that have been put in place since 2011. And so I, I think that's kind of where we're at. We're at this crossroads of, of there is an increase in litigation kind of towards limiting what colleges and campuses can do around sexual violence. Um, at the same time, we're also seeing an increased still an ever-growing desire to see prevention education, to see protections from, for victims, and policy to stay in place and to even be increased on college campuses. So I think we're kind of at this, at this point of trying to figure out how do we weigh these things. And I was curious if you might give some more detail to those two sides. When we talk about prevention, what might that look like on a college campus? So I think prevention can look a lot of different ways. Prevention can range from doing educational programs with students. We do that here on at Georgia College. I'll let Melissa talk more about that maybe in a minute. It can look like that prevention piece, you know, that doing education. It can look like having policies in place. That's an important piece of that. It can look like doing education with faculty and staff. It looks like doing education with people who are involved in investigating, whether that's on campus, whether that's in the criminal justice system. Those are important pieces. There's also pieces that kind of move back even further. So there's there's education around what is sexual violence, and there's education around what are kind of the social constructs that enable sexual violence to take place on a college campus or just in society in general. And so I think if we're going to do prevention, it's focusing on all of those things. How do we how do we address a singular incident and how do we work to prevent a singular incident of sexual violence while at the same time working at changing making changes to our larger society that over time will decrease the rates of sexual violence. You talked about education being a large part of the idea of prevention. And I'm just curious, we're here on a college campus when College students are engaging in this kind of education with these prevention techniques. Is this the first exposure that they're getting to this? Are prior grade, their high school, their um, elementary schools, perhaps their faith-based organizations, are they 
putting this into their curriculum? Or are these college students kind of addressing these issues for the first time here on the college campus? I think that depends a lot on where our students are coming from, <laughs> um, <laughs> what school system, how they were raised, all of that. But I would say broadly, the majority of them is one of the first times that they're having these kinds of conversations. We have a lot of kind of, you know, we'll be talking about things like consent and just kind of the basic ideas of consent and seeing folks realizing for the first time, oh, like, oh, that's how that's supposed to work. And so I think what you said, like the the talking about it in grade school, in high school, like that conversation has to start at age appropriate ways, like all the way back then, right? So talking about I have bodily autonomy and I can say who can give me a hug, right? Or I can refuse a hug from somebody if I don't want one, right? That's kind of a way that's age appropriate with younger kids to kind of talk and start introducing this idea of consent. That way, when they get to high school, college, like it's not this brand new blowing their mind kind of concept. And one of the things that I think is critical, perhaps, I was about to say interesting, I'm not sure that is the appropriate term, but that there seems to be an, a want to regulate the same rules across college campuses. But yeah, getting my earlier question, it does not seem that there's any downward penetration into the lower grades where perhaps these ideas may have an even greater effect because they're you know teaching, you know, beginning these thought processes at a younger age. I'm not even sure if that was anything think, more than an observation. Well, so, and I think a lot of this is comes just from kind of conversations that have been had about how do we take these kinds of programs into younger schools. It's this conflation between sex and sexual assault. There's a fear of talking with our younger generation about sex in general. And, and when we kind of conflate the two, like then because we're not talking about sex, then we're not going to talk about sexual assault. And that's problematic for a number of reasons because we conflate sex and sexual assault, sex being one experience, sexual assault being more about the power and control aspect that is using sex as a way to control someone, right? And if we break it down, they're just different. There are age, absolutely age-appropriate ways for us to begin conversations around consent at much earlier ages. Right. I think Melissa gave a, a wonderful example with, do we allow small children to have the autonomy to give somebody a hug or not? Do we offer other ways for them to greet a relative, perhaps, with a handshake, a high five? Or do we force our, our three, four, five-year-olds to give hugs to family members that maybe they don't want to? I think that is such a concrete and wonderful example of the ways in which we could be starting these conversations earlier. And if children are modeled appropriate ways to get consent and to look for consent and that their no is important and that their no matters. If we, if we start teaching children at the ages of three, four, five, that their no matters, then when they get to be college age, that, that'll be a much more seamless transition. If we start teaching children three, four, five to respect someone else's no, then that also shows up when they reach college age. Like if those are things that have been modeled consistently for 15 years of their lives, then it's no longer this, oh, wait, a, what do you mean now I need to ask before I kiss somebody, hug somebody, touch somebody, have sex with somebody? When I um, think this is just a good part of the conversation because it is more about autonomy and maybe need not be put into sexual in terms of you know a, a sexual relationship or a sexual nature at all, and just starting those conversations about what autonomy is and you know consent. I think being such a, a, a keystone uh, to this conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I 
can't really look back at my own upbringing and think that these were conversations that we had. Well, it's happened again. Uh, we are out of time in this segment of our conversation. Uh, but if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. We're continuing our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. Today, we're talking about the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses in the ways that we as a society are rising to the need to address it. I'm joined by Melissa Garrier and Jennifer Graham, both of Project Brave here at Georgia College. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. Today we're talking about the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses and how we as a society are rising to the occasion to address it both on and off the college campus. This, of course, is a part of our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversation to our radio audience. So if you feel that this is an important issue and you want to join the conversation, and maybe even lend your voice to it, please consider coming out and joining us Wednesday at noon in the Georgia College Library. I'm joined today in the studio by Jennifer Graham and Melissa Garrier, both of Project Brave on the Georgia College campus. Now, I think we've talked a lot about where we are up into this point. This is a, a very fluid situation right now with a lot of moving parts in different areas of our campuses, our communities, and our government. What does the future of this conversation look like in the near term and perhaps even in the long term? I think that it's one that, like you said, is fluid right now, that there, you know, there's some questions around. We've seen some, some rollbacks in other aspects of some of the guidelines that the Obama administration had put into place regarding Title IX um, and some other areas. And so Right now, we're kind of in a wait-and-see pattern, and is the Dear Colleague letter guidelines or any of the other guidelines related to Title IX, are they going to be rolled back as well? Are they going to stay in place? Are they going to kind of change shape and form at all in the coming years? I think there's some questions around that. We have those questions because there has been no stated policy direction that the new administration and the Department of Education underneath it is, is going in. Is correct. that a correct, correct way to say it? Yeah, correct. You know, additionally, there have been some, at the state level, some pieces of legislation that have been authored in the last few years all around sexual violence on college campuses and attempts to legislate some of those processes. Um, they have had varying degrees of success over the last few years. Um, but so that is something that, that our system and that colleges and universities always pay attention to and we look at. 
What are the balances that are trying to be struck here? Of course, uh, to lend some different context into it, I think 2016 was when the University System of Georgia tried to consolidate the way that it looks at sexual assault or allegations of sexual assault across the University System of Georgia. But we've also seen, just in this past legislative session, efforts to you know continue to change different parts of that. Sure. I think... Like you mentioned, the University System of Georgia did implement a a system-wide sexual misconduct policy in the summer of 2016. And I think one of the things that policy has done a really wonderful job of is balancing a victim and the accused and and ensuring that both parties have due process rights. Um, a, A proceeding on campus is a civil proceeding that is entirely different than a criminal proceeding through the criminal justice system. And so they look different. That can be confusing sometimes for folks. But I think the USG policy does a a really good job of balancing those. Because, you know, on one side, we have a victim. On the other, we have a student who's been accused. We also have the institution who has a duty to protect all students, including both that victim and that accused student. And so there's a need to make sure that the process is fair for all parties involved. There is a need throughout these processes to make sure the campus is safe. And so those are some of the things that the university systems policy does a really good job of helping colleges and universities make sure that can happen on individual campuses and that there is a fair process, whether they're here at Georgia College, whether they're at Valdosta, whether they're at at any of the other, you know, Columbus State, Middle Georgia, wherever, that there's a common process that's in place. Um, And I think that policy does do a good job of balancing all of the needs of all of the parties involved. I'm just curious, why are the universities so involved? Why is this not something where if a person has been sexually assaulted, it is a, just from the jump a criminal investigation? I think that's where the tieback is with Title IX. It is also a civil violation of that individual's right to attain an education free from sex discrimination, with sexual assault being the most egregious form of sex discrimination student on our campus, they're paying tuition, they have a right to their education that is free from harassment and assault. And so we as a university, as a university system, have a responsibility to make sure that students can continue their education free from assault and harassment. And I guess in that last question, I was just curious, um, does does a student who has been the victim of sexual assault have the ability to choose between it being a criminal investigation, gotcha. i.e. going to law enforcement um, yeah. officials, or having this be handled within the university. Absolutely. The students who have experienced a sexual assault can absolutely choose to report to the police and, and have a criminal justice proceeding. They can choose to report to the campus and have a campus, you know, a campus hearing around that, have that investigated on campus. Um, they can choose neither of those things. They can choose both of those things. They can choose to just seek out counseling services. They could choose to just seek out advocacy. So a, a student victim has a lot of different options, and, and they can do all of those things. They can do none of those things, or they could do one of them. It's really up to them. And that's one of the things I wanted to just uh, illustrate for our radio audience, because I think, let us be plain, sexual assault is a crime. And many times when we think that a crime has occurred, it's, uh, I think people think that it has to go through law enforcement. Sexual assault, I think, is unique in that it is one of the only crimes in which the crime scene is a person's body, right? When a house is broken into cars, any, any other thing that 
that crime scene is a piece of physical property. Um, sexual assault, you know, other than murder, sexual assault is one of the only really egregious crimes in which the crime scene is a person's body. And so that person should be able to have a say-so in whether or not they are and how that moves forward. We're running out of time in our program. And so I wanted to ask you all what you think our audience here on the radio, but also your audience for the Times Talk tomorrow, what you'd like the takeaway to be. So I think the biggest one is just to kind of keep paying attention. The biggest piece of our education that we, when we speak to our college students is about this idea of being an active and engaged bystander. And so when you see something happening that you feel empowered to step in and stop it or you know, do whatever it is that you need to do to kind of change that situation. So I think this is something that not only applies to kind of potential sexual violence situations, but paying attention to those messages that we're sending to our kids, like we talked about earlier, on a college campus, of course, like if you see something happening, kind of stepping in at that point, but also kind of paying attention on a state level, on a national level of what's happening around this issue and the ways that people are responding. And if, you know, that's something that you feel that you need to intervene in, that you feel that you can kind of be an active and engaged citizen at that point to do so. Well, Melissa, Jennifer, I want to thank you all for coming out and bringing this important conversation to our radio audience. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you're welcome. The pleasure has been mine. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections on WRGC 88.3 FM. This conversation has been a part of our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. Of course, please consider this your invitation to join us at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. Today, we talked about addressing the epidemic of sexual assault on college campuses. I was joined by Melissa Garrier and Jennifer Graham, both of Project Brave at Georgia College. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on Georgia College Connections, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.